This is a billionaire's in boxes production. Hello and welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxes with me, Phil Paluccia, the Digital Business Connector. Uh, I am joined today by Brenton Weber of Halftime Orange. How are you doing, Brenton? I'm really good today. Thank you, Phil. I'm really good this week, to be honest. This uh, yeah, this month, it's all very good. You're flying. Yeah. I'm loving it. Mate, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to welcome you back to the show and, and kind of really dive into what you've been up to and, and there's been some some very exciting updates when it comes to well both podcasting and work and all things connected and and I was keen just to kind of we were having a number of really interesting conversations some some sort of coaching wise some more just us two going down a rabbit hole and getting lost and, and having some great conversations and I think both of us felt this would make a really good podcast yeah definitely Definitely. No, I'm really pleased to be back on the show as well. I feel, I feel like a different person from the when, – when was it that we talked? Was it June? June, July? about June time, yeah. July maybe, maybe July. How have you been? I'm very well, <laughs> mate. I'm really good. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, do you know what? It's, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think uh, we were having this conversation the other day. You know, I'm, I'm somebody who gets a lot of energy from my work and the, the biggest challenge I'm having to fight with at the moment is, uh, is having to – give myself time to rest and recover from this this bloody illness um which has been an interesting one because you know the more of these kind of conversations i have the more i want to carry on working the more i want to keep keep going it's like in fact you said something interesting on the phone the other day that i can really relate to uh you don't want to lose momentum you know when something's going really well like you don't want to stop you want to keep that going yeah you do oh, something you said i think it was in one of your your social media shares it was about the the, that vibrating at that frequency of success and you kind of want that that going i guess you know it's that it's yeah, what people call so. flow as well when you're in the flow and when you're vibrating and you're, you're buzzing you just don't want to let that go it makes i sometimes find it quite hard on a friday night to just really slow down because by the end of the week the momentum's at full flight mm. um and so but you know that if you if you don't stop then your body will kind of reduce momentum anyway. You'll like the health, mental health, physical health starts to suffer if you yeah, don't. Life will force you to stop, <laughs> and and your family and your family's experience yep. suffers as well because they don't they get to, they give up a lot when we're chasing these dreams and you know following our purpose. Um, you know, it's not a nine to five existence. And so when, when there is the weekends, I think it's really important to do everybody in the team. Um, it's justice and, and slow, slow down a little bit. But yeah, that guilt of mm. losing the momentum. It's interesting you mentioned flow, actually, because if you've ever looked at the diagram of flow, like the flow cycle, the stage after flow is recovery. Um, so, it, you know, you're actively told there it is, like you have to recover to be able to, to kind of go through the next stage. But yeah. every single one of us, when you're in that stage, yeah. it's like, no, no, I've had the struggle. I've had the release. I'm desperate to stay in this flow bit. Um, but but you know what? The other thing is you, you, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to family and stuff. Um, but I think it's also productivity and what you give to your customers as well. Um, which I'm sure we'll touch on more, but mm -hmm. you know, I certainly see that I'm giving far better work to my customers when I'm only doing two, three hours a day work than I was when I was doing 12, 13 hours days. Not because I've changed sort of what I'm trying to give, but you know, 
the what's left of my brain after 13 hours straight working and what's left of my brain after two hours when you're my only one-to-one call that day, they are vastly different. Well, activity does not lead to outcome. Um, the more activity that you kind of invest in often reduces yes, very true. the outcome. I know last year I was in an incredibly manic place. Um, things, you know, things were pretty tough in 2019 for halftime orange. Um, and you put, you're just pushing, like, come on, more and more activity, something. It's like you're gambling with your activity as well. You're not even sure what the outcome's going to be. But considered, it's like my, my father, um, one of the, one of the very short pearls of wisdom that he passed on to me was um, less ha- uh, less speed, more haste. Do it, do it yes. first time um, properly. Um, and 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 we we all know that when we're relaxed, our outputs, our outcomes are so much better. Um, and yet we don't see that when we're we're chasing it. Maybe we don't know how to get to an outcome. Maybe we've we've, we've lost sight of. What I think the a lot of that is. happens with the, the coaches and 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 business gurus that are out there teaching the hustle lifestyle you know hustle 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 and you'll eventually get there and actually that's not true you know i think if you're going to kind of look at advice that people have have written in in interesting business books and stuff i think tim ferris's four-hour work week was closer to the truth you know if you if you only worked four hours every week but it was your most efficient best four hours that only you could do that bit and you are the master you know the the king or queen of that particular bit and then you find other people around you to do the other bits, you know, that are equally as passionate about their bit, th- then you start to kind of create something. But that's not what we do, is it? You know, I think every business owner is, you know, I'll work harder, I'll work smarter. I'll, well, I'll work harder rather than smarter. I'll just keep pushing because at some point it's going to pay off and then I'll have the money and time to work smarter. And one of the things that I would like to stress to people yeah. is like, money just enhances who you already are so if you're a workaholic that works 14 hour days and is a bit of a stress ed you're going to be exactly the same with a couple of million dollars in the bank as well um you have to you have to be the person you want to become and that includes the being smart with how you rest and how you work and where you where your time and effort is put yeah like like the reality is um if you're starting a business there's gonna be you don't you don't get how much work is in it when you're just working for other people when you just um not just because that's not that's not fair and i was but i i I didn't i i have i was 42 before i ventured into Mm. that side of things and i did i remember working for a couple of entrepreneurs and i don't think they thought i worked hard enough (laughs) <laughs> and to be honest, you know, in comparison to somebody who has started their own business, you didn't. then <laughs> people can't expect – how on earth could they expect me to? Different outcomes in my um, – different places, different levels of commitment based to different, different places um, at different times and different maturity levels, um, different complexities of what's going on elsewhere. Like I think you actually have to simplify your external life, your personal life, mm. in a way to to really give yourself the power to um, focus on oh, yeah, building really a company or, or you know building a building a um, a movement, um, whatever it might be. The, the outside of outside of life, it has to be complex. So if you're going through, if you're as an employee going through a lot of complexity, like most people are this year. 
then employers have to understand that then they might not be getting quite so much out of them but the, of activity. But if they still focus on outcomes and allow them to have a have have more time to focus on sorting out the complexities outside of life, then I think they'll get, get far better engagement with with staff. It will cost them a lot less from a, um, a HR perspective. Um, growth, the stability and consistency. It's like everything in life. It's funny. What, we all know all these things about running our personal lives, about consistency, and we've got, and everyone's got their personal trainer and they follow people online about how they should operate themselves. And yet it seems as soon as we put a business lens on it, mm. then the humanity of it kind of, disappears then it just becomes you know, like, um adam smith's um, division of labor um, and, and the world through through that lens um you know there's a lot of companies who have really increased customer engagement and employee engagement this year you know, the, the, the pandemic has forced a lot of people's hands and it's making the ones that are not in it stick out even further like the proverbial well i read a i read a really interesting post earlier in the year and somebody said there's two types of companies at the moment the ones who are empowering people to one from work from home and the ones that are allowing people to work from home and i thought that's a really interesting way of looking at it and actually there's a there's a bank that i know i do quite a lot of work with them um, in in africa and i won't name them for obvious reasons but they did some research into their own customer in the into their own staff and what they found was that people were hitting their targets uh, in far less time when they're working from home. And it caused a bit of uproar because people were saying, right, well, they're logging in at 11 and they're logging back out again by two, like, but they're getting paid a full working day. And the bank were like, you know, we should give them more work. We should pay them less. And it's like, no, because up until this pandemic happened where you send people home, you were quite happy paying that amount of money for that amount of outcome. So why, when you've now realized that they can actually be more efficient, do you want to punish that? You know, if maybe you should be doing an, an opposite. So you should, you should keep it as it is. If people can do that work in three hours, great. If you want to get paid overtime by working like a full day and doing even more work, then great. But it, you've got to go from that time-based currency to a, an outcome-based currency. Uh, and so many people are afraid of that. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I think, you know, if if you're looking at it through the lens of your traditional business consultant, it's like, oh, we've identified inefficiencies yes. that we can really make the most of to get a bigger ROI. Mm. Um, instead of seeing it that you were actually managing your humans in an incredibly inefficient way. Um and, and and it's far more efficient to allow them to work in shorter bursts when they control it themselves, when they're focused on the outcome instead of being watched. In what other form of life? I challenge any listener who might be thinking, oh, no, well, you know, business is different. Any other human aspect of life, which is every single one of our experiences, does it ever work better that somebody is forced to be watched and scrutinized how does like a, a, a good golf coach doesn't sit over you and just watch you and stare at you to see how it's going they give you th- some things to work on and then yeah. they come back later and yes. they look at the output the outcome of what it what it's had you know for, and yet yeah, business is like yeah how can we stare down these people to to do even more work for us because that's such an efficient way of controlling Bizarre, human beings. Whereas, you know, I, yeah, I just don't get it. But look, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about the, the, 
a lot of people don't realize, I think, quite how much work goes into becoming an entrepreneur and setting up a business, which, as you know, is is a large part of the reason why we do what we do at Billionaires in Boxes. Because I, you know, when I first started, I had <laughs> exactly the same problems that many people have when it comes to things like, you know, not enough people know, like, and trust me. I, I need to make a noise. I need to introduce myself to the market. I need customers to know who I am. And once upon a time, that was relatively easy. You could just go and, you know, you were the first people on the internet kind of thing. That was that was quite easy. Whereas now, like, there's so much noise out there and so much traffic out there that you, you've got to try and find a way of standing out. And, and for me, uh, and now I know for you, you know, podcasting has been that really powerful global networking tool that actually does allow you to spend more time talking about your business and doing things for your business and, and focusing on it. Um, you know, you mentioned before about, you know, stuff in your personal life, you know, we know all of these things in our personal life, but we lose them in our, you know, in our working lives. Well, you know, it always fascinated me, like in your personal life, if you want more friends, you go and meet more people who have interests similar to you, you you know, you want a spouse, you go and put yourself in situations and scenarios where you can potentially find a spouse, find someone to date. But in business, you sit in this tiny room all by yourself with your head in your hands going, oh, where, oh, where am I going to find customers? It's like, well, they're not in here. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's about getting out there and having those conversations, isn't it? It is. And I think the the traditional reach out and have a conversation about, um, let me tell you all about myself. Have you got half an hour? Everybody's trying to do that. So it makes it really difficult to actually get the cut through. And you've got to get to a point of trust quickly because if someone's going to give up their most precious of time, you know, half an hour um, of, of their working day, which, you know, includes the the impact that stopping and starting a task might have and what effects it might have on other scheduling. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big thing to be reaching out. And I kind of lost... I think I probably lost the passion for that type of sales because I was, I was in that type of sales for most of my career, and it became, yeah. I think although you, you know, you're you're trying to bring in and say, look, we've got some real value to deliver to you. This this thing is going to be really mm. good for your business, but that's still quite a high hurdle of trust to get over. Like my marketing was basically inconsistent social media i did i did look into to podcasting well we, you and i met in may june this year and it came off the back of me understanding that yeah look podcasting would be really good to give you know so that i've got a voice i was having some what i thought were genuinely interesting conversations exploring cx with industry yes. leaders um, those that i'd kind of been introduced to maybe by my network, but it was still a very, I guess I had a complete advocacy based, you know, mm. to try and live and breathe what you CX. And at, when I first started, I guess I saw CX very much around the advocacy. And CX is the entire journey. In fact, CX is all the journey of um, somebody trying to fulfill their needs that includes your company and every other company that they come into contact with or person along the way. So, um, you know, it's 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 difficult when you're driving an an advocacy based model um, to to remain the best yeah. kept secret because that's how I, I was feeling. It's like, well, I had this really great conversation, and unfortunately, it wasn't the right timing for this company. But I wish I wish other people in their industry had have heard 
the insight that we were sharing because I think it would be, you know, at the end of all I want to do is have conversations with people to find to find companies that I can enjoy working with and they can enjoy working with me, that we can get on, have a similar outlook, um, which, which with Halftime Orange is only about, I think, unfortunately, about 20% of every of a, of a player in each industry because most industries are not customer-centric in nature. You just have a few customer-centric thinkers in okay, each of yeah. those industries. And so when people ask me, oh, who's your target market? And we say, well, we can't really give you a target market for industry. You would think it would be retail. But, look, I'm really sorry, but the majority, <laughs> you know, more than 50% of retailers couldn't give a shit about their customers other than increasing the size of transaction. Mm. You know, there's, 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 uh, there's no desire to take customer insight. There's only 11% of voice of customer platforms, for instance, are, according to Adobe's research, um, are being used to actually get anything other than numbers. Yeah, 11%. So there's 89% of the world's $14.3 billion industry that are literally have a voice of customer platform that doesn't give their customer a voice. It just reports. They have a voice of customer program, but you're not no, listening. Uh, <laughs> it is a bit counterproductive. You're just trying to stick a thermometer in their right, mouth and measure okay. their, their temperature. It's a really, it's a really weird um so it's a really strange um, industry. It's a, it's a great industry because it's so important to get customer insights. If you're going to grow your company intelligently, then you need customer insights. You need to understand your customer, especially now, especially in 2020, where a year ago, um, your customer needs were very different to what they are now. And if you don't think they are, then I challenge you that you don't understand. Yeah, your so the voice customer platform is an incredibly important tool but it's weird that it's i mean there's a whole load of issues with it one that it's disengaging to people who we're trying to measure yep. engagement from i mean yeah I, yeah <laughs> but the other one that it's just yeah well numbers. the last thing you were saying was that, that there were loads of problems with it um there are loads of problems with with the industry as a whole and you know i i think it was interesting because i was obviously recording and producing one of your shows um couple of weeks ago and you were speaking with somebody else in the industry and they were client side and one thing i was or they were for a long time and one of the things that i found fascinating about them was you said it a minute ago you know you'll find certain people in the business that are customer centric minded but they're kind of like these lost souls inside these big businesses that they're trying to kind of put the yeah they're trying to put the customer forward saying Hey, listen, our customer thinks this. Meanwhile, the rest of the board's kind of like, listen, just give us the numbers. <laughs> we'll write them down and then we'll move on to the other stuff. And it's like, well, if, it, if once a month you have a board meeting and you just read these numbers out, but then never take any action from it, what was the point? Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, how much, how, how excited can you get about numbers? I mean, numbers, there's, there's, very, there's very rarely that these numbers are provided with any context or any context i mean they're, they're not collected with any context even the question even the questioning is often um very um in, uncontextual or, or it could be you know omnicontextual. Mm. could be like what's it based on what are you asking me this question based upon um and unfortunately at board level numbers are just 
usually seen as numbers. So it takes the it takes the human nature out of it as well. But it's the clever that things way. that people are doing that are kind of the dark arts of it that really interested me. That I thought that is significantly cheeky enough for me to go. Okay, like I can see how you've got to those stats. So things like you know how these voice of customers. Have you had a good experience? Yes. Here, please leave us a review. Have you had a negative? Have you had a good experience? No. Here's a customer feedback form. But it's to keep the people away from the reviews and all that kind of stuff. So it's like X percentage of our customers, you know, have left us a positive review, and it's like, well, it's because you didn't give the other ones the option. <laughs> yes, um, you're right. But I mean, it does have that. That's one of the benefits that it can be a, a, a tool to act almost as an early warning system mm. uh, and, and, an, and an interceptor plane. You know, so basically you've got a detracting threat that has just happened because of um, a transaction that was less than pleasant or a product that was less than what was promised. You know, somebody gets it home and thinks that it was – Let's say someone's buying a TV to replace an insurance job, an insurance job to replace a TV, and they've got ten years ago they had this big sixty-inch um, TV put into a to a recess in a wall, and they go to a local electronics retailer and they get sold a sixty-inch TV, and then they get home, and ten years ago they had big bez- bevels around them, and now they're they're that much thinner on each side. So you've got this tiny tv in this thing and so all of a sudden you know you you want to have a customer platform so that they can go to and they can complain especially if you haven't got you're not the size where you could have a customer service team or um although i would say custom see customer service is so important because it saves terrible experiences um but if it's not there it can make a genuinely not that bad experience really terrible um so it can but anyway, so the voice of customer platform, before we go too many tangents, is really powerful um, for that in that aspect. But it should be a minor part of it, and yet most companies use that as their their, their major part. It's where's the pain point? Where, where's the transaction point? Where's the company centric point for the customer? Where we know something might go wrong, or this is the the the, the most fertile area for mistakes to happen. We'll get this that will catch them and yet they're not actually so they're doing that job well but that should be a secondary role for it the first role should be how do we get customer insight Mm -hmm. how do we give our our customers away how can we speak to them how can we have a conversation with them like the clue is in the product name it's a voice customer platform so it should be giving a voice people in the industry they've all got really good intentions like no one gets into this industry I liken it to there are there are some people I imagine who you 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 indicated there who feel like they've lost their way that all they're doing is reporting numbers back to people. That, that isn't what that isn't what that isn't what they read in the books that no. inspired them that this is what customer experience should be about. Um, they've also that they're in charge of these 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 programs are incredibly cash hungry. You know, like if you're a, if you're a small New Zealand telco, well. If you're one of the New Zealand telcos, um, and you know that's not a, it's a national telco, but yeah, it's yeah. New Zealand and love New Zealand. It's uh, it's not national. It's not the size yeah, yeah, of yeah. BT or 
or whatever their whatever their branding agency is now has recently called them. I don't know whether whether you have that over there, whether the whether the telco, telco companies spend a lot of money on brand. I think BT are staying the same pretty much because everyone kind of knows that brand, don't they? I'm not sure that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, we though. had um, like <laughs> the, the telecom change their name to Spark, um, which, which um, created some uproar back in the day, about ten years ago, I think. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll be spending half a million dollars on this voice of customer platform at least, I imagine, with one of the big software companies, uh, one of the big CX software companies. And um, I wonder how many of them. I wonder whether there's an ROI. So you're in charge of this big six-figure mm. investment, and you're like the support you're getting. You could have a really supportive CEO at the moment, but if a new if someone new comes in, Forrester, I believe, so that you know, like fifty percent of CX jobs are under threat over the next year or two. I, I think that was true. Sure, yeah, pandemic. I think people I are taking their customers a lot more seriously now. The good news for our industry is that, dead right, people are taking their customers way more seriously than they were before. So even if you've got a department that's spending six figures and they're not getting an ROI from it yet, they've probably got a couple more years to be able to start indicating and getting an indication for ROI. But I would challenge them that they should be able to find some some form of, of return on investment mm. from their um, platform pretty quickly. It's just that our industry isn't used to being held to task on ROIs. We're very good at, in, we're very good at putting um, results against the yeah. work that we've done. And I've done that. Or we did some work. We gave we did some work for a retailer. We gave them some advice on their advertising. They changed their advertising messaging. Eight percent lift in sales for the rest of the year. Now we we can put ourselves firmly in the involvement of that strategy, but we didn't predict it. It wasn't being measured while we were doing it, and that's what we don't do as an industry. We're very good at reverse engineering results and saying, right, we did this and it inferred that there would be a lift. And, oh, over yes. here we've seen a lift in metrics so we can associate it with those. Instead of what we should be doing is um, what, what do we think is going to happen in three months' time with the work that we're Because then, then, then a leadership team can go, oh, they predicted this. They yeah. measured it. They beat it. That, you know, and you know, go conservative. So, so I think now's the time that our industry can really focus on doing that because there is so much impact that insights can give to a company. As we see that that eleven percent of companies that I mentioned before in the Adobe study, they grow ten times faster than their competitors who invest in voice of customer but don't okay. come for insights. So the ROI is already there for all the people at the top. You know, there's gold in your CX departments. It's because they, I think that's a really good point, though, isn't it? Because I mean, I've I've done a lot of work with with tech startups in particular, but what the problem that they have when they're trying to sell their product in, then obviously they're trying to sell at board level. Sometimes they're selling a it's like a pre sales thing, so they're trying to sell a product that doesn't even exist yet, um, and that's a really interesting sell because that's entirely based on the outcome. Because it's a we can get you here. Like how quickly you get there depends on how much you invest in what we're about to build for you. But this is where we're going. Whereas if that is as an industry, if CX isn't really doing that, isn't really kind of able to go to the board and say, if you implement this, I predict a eight to 10% rise within this period. You know, it's they're, 
they're kind of it feels like they're doing it so that they can say that they have one which is probably would explain why only 11 percent actually pay attention to it because for the rest it's like yeah you know we need a voice of customer program because <laughs> all of our competitors have one so we'll buy that big expensive software that's out of a box plug it into the system and uh yeah we'll just hire somebody and then every board meeting they can come in tell us what the numbers are and yeah that's about it Oh God! You're taking words out of my mouth. I'm not sure I, could, I should well, I say can. that. But you're right. I mean, there's also you can. I mean, there's also like I when I first got into customer experience in 2018, I didn't have a I didn't have a clue. I, I worked for a voice of customer platform, so I'm afraid to say did not have a clue when it came to what value their platform could have inside mm-hmm. an organisation. Like they were, and I. You know, I think that we we get this in a lot of software, a lot of tools. You know, we have to remember that we we're, we're dealing with tool manufacturers when we're buying this software. They're trying to sell in a tool um, that you're going to have to work out how you can use. Usually, um, people that have built it aren't predominantly people that have been looking at the problems in the CX industry and then creating the solutions, the tools that are required. It's much more, we've got these research tools. There's this big, we've got this big, we've got all this research software that's, and and there's a massive growth in, in listening to customers. So how can we fit our software into the way, into this 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 growing discipline? And, Mark, and you know, CX, I, I got very excited because CX is, is still the fastest growing marketing discipline in the world. Um, and you know, very circuitous way of coming back. So I was having these interesting conversations with one or two people, and I, I wasn't in that that ringing up and hey, can I? I was also taking it too personally. I'll be honest. When I'm selling somebody else's product, quite happy to pick up the phone and read a script. When I was selling my own, it, it was a yes was the biggest high I'd ever had. A no knocked me completely, mm. not my confidence. I, I was having, I was like. Yeah, I was I was struggling to find my voice then as well because the conversations weren't happening. Some of the meetings we go to and they wouldn't want to talk and explore their CX needs. You know, a lot of people don't want to admit that they've got problems in their retention. I was with a I was with a health uh, no, sorry, uh, a HR company the other day. I sat down with them and and this sales director was telling me how absolutely marvelous their onboarding was and their sales process was and how their attention numbers didn't need any work and their customer service is really good. And I said, well, why, why am I here? Because if it's all so good, mm-hmm. then, you know, how can, I, how can I, you know, bring some, some massive value quickly? Um, so, so podcasting was always going to be a way to, if I, could have, if I could have more interesting conversations, then other people could listen into those conversations and, established quite quickly whether or not I was somebody that spoke a language that aligned sure. with their values. Um, you know, and that's that's certainly where where podcasting was supposed to be in the strategy. Um, I didn't get the, the sheer level of impact it was going to have on my business. And that's why I dragged my heels. I was, so, I was spread all over the place. My marketing was really inconsistent. Um, I was trying new things for short periods of time and they're not carrying through. And I was, I felt under the pump. I felt like I was 
super busy but not achieving anything. It was all activity with very little outcome, as we were talking about before. Yeah, for sure. And so the production side of it, and uh, it, it was just getting getting pushed to the back. So I'd done nothing with the two podcasts that I'd recorded. And then you turned up. Billionaires in Boxers turned up. And, you know, all of a sudden there was this end-to-end solution, you know. And I've, I've as you know, as a, and a lot of my friends will know, I can't talk highly enough of the impact. Well, one, how, how amazing you guys have been, honestly. It's amazing to hear. Um, Thank you. It feels like I've got, it feels like I've got um, you know, real – I don't like those battle because um, I'm, I'm not going into battle with customers, but I feel like I've got a real uh, a real bit – I've got I've got a – yeah, I, my team swelled immediately. Yeah, I love that. Um, and because you showed me what, what it could produce in the way of content and how it could be a way of opening doors to – well, as I've found, places I never thought that we'd be able to go so quickly. Um, again, partially down to the, the this crazy 2020 that we're running through. I do think that, you know, we're we're all much more open to virtual yeah, conversations. Yeah, definitely. Um, last year, a few people knew what Zoom meant that I came into contact. Now it's the now it's a verb. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's fully in everyone's lexicon. Um, and so having Having this content platform that also allows what I think I'm, I'm learning so much from my guests. I I talk too much, but I'm kind of I'm wary about coming onto other people's podcasts because God, I can't half prattle on when I get going, um, and I don't want to be taking over the mm. conversation all the time. Like sometimes I'm passionate, and that's one of my. That's not failing. It's like some people. I, I see. We, we've done this. We've done this work off air as well. That is not a failing, right? This is this is why podcasting is so powerful. You're learning from other people, but when you're on other people's shows, they're learning from you, dude. So the fact that you are so passionate about this is exactly what people want to hear. So I don't. I don't want you to tone that down. That's that's you. Yeah, no, I was. No, I was. I was probably talking about more from when I look back pre-podcasts to when I was in business meetings. Like I felt like I've got such a short period of time to get across what I, my important message that's going to be so valuable for their company. I get carried away. And it has allowed – one, it's allowed me to find my voice because it's got me exploring more with people. Um, it became quite apparent that I needed to explore more within four or five issues because you don't want to be saying the same yeah. stuff all the time. So it got me my view, my worldview, um, intentionally, um, and I've got that from like I believe that Halftime Orange is really at, at its core a human experience um, consultancy. You know, whether it's your customers, whether it's your employees, whether it's your managers, whether it's your shareholders, they're all humans, and they've all the same dopaminergic um, reward pathway. They've all got exactly the same neuroscience. And we, we help companies understand their customers at, at that more irrational level because 80% of our decision-making is all irrational. Well, it's it's irrational to businesses. It's to, to neuroscience. It's, does it, like, why, why do we have to call emotions yeah, irrational? Um, it's like, no, no, this is a perfectly legitimate response to what I'm facing. <laughs> Yeah, like it's like the irrational way my employee employee has just stopped 
um, being engaged at work <laughs> after I keep talking down to them. It's so bloody yeah. irrational of them. I'm still paying them. We've still got the same, you know, the same outcome that we're going for. These are rational people. How dare it's they like have emotions? No, we 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 need to we need to embrace it. And I think again, you know, 2020. We I've just joined a, a CX family um, called the ACXS family, which is the Accredited Customer Experience Specialist. And it start it was a qualification started by a wonderful CX thought leader called um, James Dawkins. And it's so nice to be part of this growing family of people who are graduating because we're reaching out and we've all got this similar mm. drive to treat people like business. It's time for business to really start treating yes. people better because that's where the yes. money is. And I think that the pandemic has shown that to so many that, you know, maybe last year I was only really, my target audience was maybe 5 to 10% of any industry. And I think the CX world is being opened up to 20%, 30% of people who really care, who are starting to realise that, yeah, I actually have to mm. care for my customers. Like customers now know how valuable they are. You know, we're seeing on the news how badly industries are doing and how much we need to support yes. our local industries. Well, I can tell you, I've got hard and fast numbers to show it, um, you know, qualitative and quantitative numbers that those companies that do that have been looking after their customers, they're doing fine this year. They are actually doing fine unless they're in an industry like, you know, there are some operators in um, the sure. tourism industry that, oh, my goodness, punches that they've taken this year. Um but when you when you look at the level of struggle, you know, like if you're at the bottom of your industry, this is just some helpful advice. If you are f squandering in the lower leagues of your industry and your shareholders are, are really putting you under pressure, and I can think of a massive media company in New Zealand that, that every single year has to restructure for the benefit of their shareholders, and yet they have zero customer centricity they might be agency centric or advertiser centric but they definitely don't give a shit about their their audience their audience is literally a number now they look at themselves and say well what which media are doing really well at the moment how customer centric is that media and i bet you that if they look around and they look at their their um, and they, they they analyze and their their competitive set and they think there are people that are doing really well at the moment how customer centric do they think please write to me if you find somebody who's who's leading the their industry yes. at the moment um without that um it really is the differentiating factor i mean if you if if you're a c-suite and you really care about your shareholders for goodness sake do that small um yeah that's it give give somebody who you know cares about engagement give them a little project to compare customer experience at your leading competitors and i guarantee that you'll see an opportunity for growth there by investing in customer mm, experience definitely no man i love it i love it and do you know what you're, you're so i would never had the opportunity without podcasting to one find my voice like i've you think you're alone nuts sometimes especially when you are challenging the status quo um and yet there's a lot of people out there when you start finding they agree with you and they start enriching your worldview and gosh, in actual fact, you can, you can see that 
that it was just your own imposter syndrome syndrome holding you back. Like that, it was a risk going on. On, like, gosh, I was nervous, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely. You would, you, you would have definitely seen a change in me in the last in what 13, 14 episodes. Like I've found my voice, and I wouldn't have been able to do that. I don't think because I tried, but my friends were getting really bored with me talking about. If I may, this may sound like a strange thing to say, but I I kind of feel like you've, uh, you know, I always say your vibe attracts your tribe, right? I say that a lot, and and I'm I'm a huge fan of that. And the thing with you mentioned it before, like you've been able to connect with people that you didn't think was going to be possible. Like that's one of the really powerful things about podcasting is that it's not calling somebody up and saying, "Hey, do you want to have a thirty-minute conversation." It's, it's being able to go avoid the gatekeepers entirely, go straight to the head honcho and say, I want to have a peer-to-peer level discussion where we're going to try and give each other some golden nuggets, but that's then going to get turned into a piece of content that we can both use for marketing and reaching a new audience. You're giving something before you take something, and 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 taking somebody's time is already a commitment. So can I have time to pitch to you for 30 minutes? No, you can't. Can we have an hour to an hour and a half to have a good discussion about our industries on a podcast? The answer for that is, is invariably yes. So what I've seen from you definitely more and more is you've kind of, and I hope you don't mind me wording it this way. It feels like you've stopped apologizing for yourself. Like when we, when you first came on, it was like, look, I have this view and I have these, this great knowledge and these amazing opinions, but I'm kind of apprehensive about talking to people too much about them. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to say too much and I don't want to say too little and I don't want to come across as this and I don't want to come across as this. You fast forward that to today, you're having conversations very comfortably with other people at that top table in CX and you're holding your own. You're having an incredible conversation to anybody who doesn't know the industry listening to that. This is now peer to peer. This is not somebody at one stage in the industry and somebody else at the top this is two people at the top having a very intellectual conversation but breaking it down into a way that other people can enjoy it and take golden nuggets from it and i don't think you'd have been as comfortable with that in fact i think if i'm being really honest that you'd have probably over analyzed try to you know phil what do you think about these questions that i want to ask this person when they come on the show and how long do you think i should focus on this and now it's just it's so conversational it's so authentic and free flowing that i think people get to see the real you both in terms of potential customers your audience listening to the show other people within the industry and and that for me is the most exciting thing and actually it is the reason behind this this newfound success and this newfound confidence is you're just able to be you you've got that stage you've got that platform and the people that you're meeting are kind of fueling that and, and further energizing it as you are them. And that's that's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I think I came – It's it was a I, – I started Halftime Orange with a real gap in required confidence. Okay. I'd come off the back of a few tough years where clearly I was no longer fitting into a corporate. Mm-hmm environment um or kind of just follow instructions i did think that i had really found my home in cx unfortunately that that company was failing when i arrived and they lost 80 percent of their customer base ouch in the first three months that i was there now i was never allowed to talk to a customer in case we uncovered a problem <laughs> that we would have to spend mental money right. on um and i'm oh, 
yeah, I've got to be careful how much I say. But anyway, um, you know, we, I was I was brought on board to how do, how do we help companies use our software to be more customer centric? And of course, when you're working in an environment where you're not allowed to speak to your customers to glean them from insight, well, then you're you're just not walking and talking it. I I thought I'd made a mistake there, and all of us and redundancy followed okay. after five months because they were literally in the, trouble. The, the, a whole heart people went with this the new salespeople, both here in australia and in australia were not this lo and behold were not their silver bullet to be able to get their cx product into companies um it was about never having a case study not knowing what your product was actually being used for and what whether there was an roi that's where the issue was but anyway big financial loss um another big blow to um to the the work ego, the professional ego. So I came in, hope, need I guess you know needing some validation on a personal. Wait, okay, level. really. Um, um, this was halftime orange in in some ways. Was it was like a, a last throw. It was like damn, corporate life has spat me out. Um, in actual fact, that's where halftime orange gets its name from. Originally, it was it was I was halfway through the game. I'm a few points down. I need to. Put on a cricket score in the second half. Now, how do I do that? I think about what I've learned. I review, I analyze, I collect insights. I have a suck on a halftime orange and a smash in the second half. That's where the, where it came from. Um, and so that, so when you, when you're out in the marketplace talking a, um, a language that no, not many other people are talking, um, especially in the industry that you're trying to make a splash in, then, um, yeah, I probably needed to have a few more conversations than I was actually able to have. I had some lovely people try and help me early on. They got me with some keynote speaking, but but I wasted a couple of those keynote yeah, speaking yeah. opportunities, I think. One I got through just on sheer passion. But when I look at the video now, I'm bouncing from foot to foot. like I'm. I'm but it's like, a progression thing, right? It's like the more you speak, the more comfortable you become and and – whether that's speaking on a stage or whether that's speaking on a podcast or a radio show or a TV show, it's all kind of the same thing because, you know, we've had this conversation before. It's, it's being able to talk in sound bites. It's being able to give something to somebody and say, you know, here's my impassioned speech, but if you want some key takeaway points, it's this, this, and this. Um, and it's being able to kind of work with the customers in the way that they want to be spoken to, right? In your audience, it's like some of your audience will spend an hour listening to this. Some people just read that, you know, will go onto Google and they'll type in or YouTube and they'll take in review of such and such a book or summary or synopsis of such and such a book. Cause they just want to know the details. Like just give me the juicy bits. Like I don't want to read the fluff that's in the book. Just give me the juicy bits. And that I mean, there are there are apps like that out there, aren't there? At the moment, in terms of podcast books, radio shows, lectures, they literally condense it to like five minutes and go, "Here's the bits you need. If you want to know more, go and research it." And yeah, I have to be honest. I, I've seen I've seen that develop in you even even over your these episodes, and I think you you already knew it anyway from a cx perspective but i think from your own business perspective you've certainly found the power of asking questions because you mentioned before about how much you're learning from other people um they're learning from you too but i see that in every episode that you do in every guest appearance you do it's like you're asking the right questions and asking those questions that are not just going to 
inform you and help you make better decisions but actually they're also designed to kind of say here's me putting up my flag about how i feel about something who's coming with me yeah yeah and, and look i'd i'd invite anybody out anybody else who's even considering doing this like finding my voice it hasn't taken away my sense of in of of nerves from time to time like i I'm still I I still suffer from imposter syndrome. Like I I think one of the one of the big benefits that I get from billionaires in boxes is the fact that I don't have to listen to it three <laughs> or four times because I think if I had to do that prior to it being published, yeah, it'd never get published. I'd just be too hypercritical. But that that insecurity, I just I think we all have to remember. Again, this is from a human centric perspective. We've all got that feeling of fear that what we're saying might not be as valuable. Even a really cocky guy at board level who is, you know, big, big um swinger, <laughs> big swinger in the in the in the in the boardroom, still has that insecurity at the core of it. So if if you're feeling that well, I don't know, has anybody got is anybody gonna want to hear me? Like I may have found my voice, but I'm still I still have that fear. So so don't feel alone. Like everybody who's doing this feels that fear. Don't let that stop I still you. feel it now. Like I, I've I've had I mean, especially podcasting less so I think these days, but that's ten years, ten thousand hours to get to that point. Um however, keynote speaking and stuff. I still get nervous. That that moment before I go on stage is my heart's still racing, my hands are still sweaty. It still feels like the first day at school. Whereas, like, is anyone going to like me? Am I going to have any friends? Um, you know, I, for me, I don't. I don't know what it is, but there's always this voice in my head, and it's an, it's definitely imposter syndrome. But it's awful. Whoever this voice is or where it came from, I really don't like it. But it's this one particular question that happens every time I'm about to go on stage, and it goes, "Do you really know what you're talking about?" And it's like, oh, that's not helpful right now. Like that's, yeah, I think so. But now I'm doubting it. Um, and there's all, you know, you mentioned validation. You know, there is an element of validation when you get the round of applause and then people form a line to come and talk to you after a talk to say, that was really insightful. I learned this and let's exchange details. Yes. Okay. You're excited that it's done what it was supposed to do, but there's definitely a huge element of, oh, thank goodness they liked what I said. And I'm not just this nuts guy professing the wrong thing. But the, the the big thing for me is I want to make sure that there's some really positive outcome from the exchange of that time, the exchange of the attention. Like we're in a market, we're we're in a world where we're under attack from companies that have been built with the express intention of stealing yes. our yeah, attention. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the, I think a lot of the traditional marketing, it's it's like, come on, how hands up everybody put their hands up this is you should be if you're thinking about cx you should be thinking about us this is mm -hmm. why we're so good this is what we do and i've been exploring with 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 fran who's who's my amazing marketing lady about how we can be more customer centric how it can be much more about delivering value because i don't necessarily get we get down to the the nub of why mm. i get nervous it's Look, the reason I was nervous before our, our first ever webinar two weeks ago was because I was nervous that people were going to turn up and they were going to get no value and think that they've wasted their time. And then, I, then I'm associated with a big 
one hour waste of time. And that's what I get nervous about. Uh, like I've, you know, I worry that I ramble too much on the podcast because it's like, well, how much rambling do people want to get to? Like th- there has to be yes. some real value in what they're getting. And like I haven't even been shared. I got told off by a few friends a couple of weeks ago because I haven't been sharing the podcast on like my my friend's social group because it's like, well, I, feel oh, cheeky. I really don't want to be seen as wasting time. I don't want to feel cheeky that I'm going to feel time. Like there's got to be some value for it. And I do. It's not that I, like I know that there is value um, in what we're doing with podcasting when people are listening to it, but it's still that's where my imposter syndrome mm. kicks in. I think same with the web. Like that webinar I walked away from, and it wasn't my it wasn't my success really. It was the fact that James Dodkins gave twenty seven just surefire winner. See, you're doing it again. You're putting yourself down. Do. There was loads of value that you added to it. You know there was, and so does everybody else. But I, 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 I facilitated that value like the 27 tips that he gave it's completely you know we gave him the floor quite rightly and I, people were reaching out after the the webinar just saying it's probably the most value i've ever got out of a webinar it was just like yeah i've delivered some value that's gonna that's gonna make a difference to the way that they see the world the way that they treat their customers the way that you know they can communicate with their leaders we're going around again that's because your vibe attracts your tribe so when you're speaking with the right people and you're having conversations like james is a great example when you're having conversations with people at that level of course the people who you're going to attract and and they're going to be interested in that conversation are also going to be on the same vibration i mean that's look that's the joy of where the authority building side of this comes in so i don't want to start listing all the benefits of podcasting because we could be here forever but you know the 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 fact that every episode gets published on multiple platforms so it claims more prime digital real estate all over social media in the search engines it's like obviously we do uh, a lot of work with you finding the right kind of cx level people to, to come on the podcast and have a conversation with i've noticed significantly more in fact I'll word it this way. When I first started searching for CX guests, I wouldn't have found you. Now I bump into you or one of your podcast episodes at least twice during that searching process. So I'm out looking for people and I'm seeing you. So perception is a really important thing in any type of business. And I always try and explain this to people. It's like the audience, the customers find it very difficult to... The way this whole conversation—it's so weird. Like the upwelling of anxiousness that I have, it, and it's that thing. It's like, oh my goodness! Now that we're putting something out there that is going to like, there's more people it needs to bring value to. Like, it's, it's funny. It's and, and I'm just sharing my internal feelings. I've I've been trying to get a little bit more in touch with yeah with that this year. I think a lot of it, right. I think we've had to become much more conscious of our of ourselves. The, the systems around us that were that we could kind of just a lot. I think a lot of people were on that 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 wheel, and they they had their, their structure, and it was hiding the lack of connection in other areas of their their life. And I think that we've been faced with it, like being stuck at home with family, and f- for so long makes you really appreciate that relationship, and also appreciate. Uh, uh, appraise it about how can it be better because it's because it's importance level being there more often means that we have to to pay more attention to it i think it's the same with ourselves we've been our stress levels have been 
higher for most of us than they've been in a long time. There were a lot of people who had their very safe mm. future, secure future, just absolutely rattled. You know, it's like I've I've been through redundancy a couple of times. That that level of instability is yeah, it's it's crippling in some way. Can be depending on how how it's handled by the companies. Um, and this year has been the we've had it on all sides. We've had it come every single direction. But you know what? I think yeah. I think it's that we've we've all missed that human connectivity thing because of what's been going on. But you know, people have said to me like, you know, oh, I'm really missing getting into the office and and speaking to people around the water cooler. You know, how are you feeling? And I'm like. I'm recording three podcasts a day with people all over the world. I feel like I talk to people plenty. <laughs> this year, that's that. I hadn't even thought about that benefit. I mean, I'd, I've, I've the benefit from the amount of new connections and new friends that I've made. But actually, right, like I come off, I come after if we've done two or three back to back, which you know, those days are those days are so much fun. It's just so many different directions with the conversation. You come off it made, making really solid connections with three individuals on the other side of the planet. And it's been a real buzz to to expand my my global fluency. As um, you would say, yeah. Well, look, I mean, you'll have heard me say this before, but I talk a lot about global credibility for domestic dominance, which is even if you have a very you know local focused business, a, a, a business that's focused on that domestic market. By being seen with all the other thought leaders in what you do from around the world and raising your profile, like you want to level up, like let's just use a, a, a great example, okay? So you want to, you're going to win more clients and be held in more esteem in your industry if you're a keynote speaker at more of your industry's leading events. Well, how do you do that? You do podcast interviews with the current keynote speakers from those events and bring their event organizers onto your podcast to build a relationship with them and give them the opportunity to sell tickets to people for the event. It's all adding value it's all really helpful it's all really interesting everybody's learning and growing from each other but you better believe that the likelihood of you being booked for a keynote speaker slot has just gone up at least tenfold if you're having those conversations and mixing in those circles so it's it's the relationship building aspect for me that is always so important and and this is something i really want to stress because it's something i stress to you and it's something i stress to all of our customers you know when they first starting with us is that this is not about going onto a podcast to sell to somebody. This is relationship building. Your your aim is to get somebody to say to you, I really like you. We should do more business together. Let me introduce you to this person. Could you introduce me to that person? You know, I have a line that I say all the time with with, with people who are coming on my show. And I say, listen, I'm not charging you anything. This is just, I'm not, you know, that's not what this is about. <laughs> um, this is about us having a conversation and building a relationship together. Very worst case scenario, we'll both learn something and have a great piece of content that we can use for marketing. Best case scenario, I can guarantee there are people in my phone book that would be ideal customers for you. And there'll be people in your phone book who are ideal customers for me. Let's just get to know each other and kind of see where it takes us from there. And the beauty of starting a relationship off that way, as you're finding yourself, is is extremely powerful because people feel like you've already given to them before you're even, you know, I, would, I wouldn't dare ask somebody for recommendations or referrals if we hadn't had that kind of level of interaction and that kind of relationship. And, you know, when somebody signs up for a podcast, I don't say, great, who else do you know? I ask them that at the end of the podcast. You know, if we've resonated together and I want to know more people that I'm going to vibrate with, I'm going to ask you, hey, listen, 
who else do you know that I should speak to? Who else do you know that could could help me with this? And you know, as, as you find yourself, that when that happens, each podcast usually turns into two or three more podcasts at least. Like we want, we want this to happen organically. Yes, um, and that's happened without that through through podcasting. Like we're at a place now. I'm glad to say that we've. We've, we're, we're looking at breaking our rule. Last week, we decided not to take on any more consulting work, um, like for, like major like CX maturity reports or deep dive reports. We, we probably got, we've only now got enough time to um, do some coaching around the other. So that's a really wonderful position to be in. And we are looking. A friend wanted to. They didn't. They, they've they've come and said, look, we've really. You know, we want to we want to do what we've been talking about for the last year. So we we probably will take them on as well. Um, but it's funny, all of our these conversations is another another real. They're so you're getting insights into your own industry from out outside. I mean, the the siloing of thinking, um, the way that it breaks that down is brilliant. Like I've I've been, yeah, my the way that I view the world is completely different five months on because of the conversations that that. I've had. Like it's been personal development point of view. It's been wonderful. It's given me a much richer view. Um, Been a bit self-selecting with a couple of people as well. Like you do find out the people that have got no interest in discussing um, how they can engage with their customers better. And they're not people I speak to anyway, to be honest. I love that you just said that. If, if that's if if you're a company that really thinks it's not worth engaging with your customers, then honestly, halftime orange just is not. Um, yeah, we we just wouldn't consider um, working. And it, sometimes it feels a bit weird because they're the people that need it. Yeah, the most. But you, it's, it's like it's it's what's that saying? It's 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 impossible to change somebody, but it's easy to change. It's like they have to want to do it, or you can't drag them to it. If we've if there's somebody inside an organisation that knows that they should, just need one lone nut dancing inside an organisation, but it has to have some drive from inside. Like there's no point meeting with people who there's no one inside the organisation who kind of thinks anything other than transaction is the way forward. Um, but if there's one person there, it's it's really easy to find a return on investment with customer experience work. It's just that we have to be much more broad with it with like customer experience is every part of your business it's either directly or indirectly involved you know your your systems your processes they all impact a customer experience there's usually very very quick pain points that can be identified and actioned that can deliver really solid return on investment for those people that are looking for a reason to do it you know, but you've actually just touched that. on two of my favorite things to do with podcasting. So I, I am going to talk about them before we go, because I think they, they are two of the things that I, I think a lot of people overlook and actually they are two of the most powerful. So number one is that you do definitely get these insights from the industry and you get to see who you should and shouldn't be working with. Every single business owner listening to this has worked with clients that we really wish we hadn't bothered. Um, because they gave us such a headache. And when we trace it back, they're usually the ones that we've had to tailor what we do or tweak it or, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't fitting and we've tried to make something fit and we've elbowed it in and it, it didn't work. Right. And podcasting is a great way, both on the podcast and inviting guests to speak on the podcast is a great way of kind of determining whether or not this is somebody that you should be doing business with. If you completely disagree with what this person is saying, 
do you and them a favor and don't work with them um this is not your customer but but you know it's a great I mean thank god you can find that out now rather than go through those painful experiences and the other one is you know and i've actually helped people do this a number of times is they'll have an idea of a sector that they want to work in but they won't know what they want to do so this is kind of pre-startup solopreneur like i want to work in this sector but i don't know exactly what i want to do in this sector so in fact we could use the example of you couldn't we you've done some things within cx but actually it's CX that you love rather than just the specific bits that you're doing of it. There's so much that you could be doing. And even in the time that, that, that we've been working together, you're obviously now working on a tremendous voice of customer program that I won't steal your thunder. I'll, I'll let you bring that out when it's ready to bring out. But that came as a result of feedback from people that you're speaking to. Like if you have conversations in the industry, they will tell you what they want. They will tell you where the problems are and what they're experiencing and what they like and what they don't like. And all of that information is instead of you sitting there with a pen and paper going, hmm, I wonder how I could service my industry better. It's like, well, here's an idea. Go and ask them. You know, Go and talk to them. Have conversations and start to recognize these patterns because if 10 people tell you, yeah, you know what, this is a bit of an issue in our industry, you've just found somewhere that you can provide a solution. Hmm. Well, I mean, we've we come in. We always come in from the outcome first. Sam Kamani was on, um, who you know. I know that you introduced us to him. Um, he, uh, you know, when I asked him how many founders does he think understand the problem that they're trying to fix, um, he says eighty percent of them <laughs> had no idea. But just hey, we've got a really good idea. Now let's try and find the solution and the problem in the industry that this might fit. Mm. And so, so. By spending some time and just exploring an industry and finding out what outcomes they're all trying to achieve, where the pain points are, allows you to, rather than build legacy product, you know, build a product that's built on legacy thinking, you'll start right from the from the very beginning. I mean, I get excited about customer experience because it, it I think it is the closest way that I've found so far that can systemize and del- uh, systemically deliver better human experiences that will also benefit that will benefit business i mean surely the golden what we should be looking for from a from a company if you're a company happiness improvement in the world and better outcomes for for the customers and the employees that you've got i mean if you're doing that you're going to just grow but uh, you're not going to lose yeah. customers you're customers who bring more customers in you're not going to lose employees you're going to save a ton of money on hr like surely if there's a if there is a oops, forget that i'm in cx just let me ask you a question if i could show you a theory that would allow you to have a better impact on the world a mental health impact on the world yeah of course i would yeah. it. it's like you would and if if this way of looking at it was guaranteed to to make it a safer more robust sustainably growing company of course you would yeah you'd be mad not to so there's people there's a lot of mad people out there who just don't see value in that they don't see the value in that it's almost as if they've left their moral compass at the door on the way into the morning 
It's like, what's the right thing to do? What do you want your kids to know you as? Oh, you were, that, you were the guy that was involved in that really massive company that made everybody that it interacted with a bit happier. Oh, cool, Dad. Mum. But so many people don't do that. You, I mean, the tech industry in particular is one that I have a bit of bugbear with this on when they're designing tools because I often find that um, it's developers developing the apps and the tools and they, they actually know very little about the industry. But unfortunately industries don't help with that because they buy technology that way instead of finding a problem identifying a problem or an area of you know lack of efficiency or whatever it is in your business and then finding the technology to help resolve that problem what people do instead is they find like, like a magpie they find this nice new shiny tool and go oh that's cool i wonder how i can implement that into my business and you're then you're trying to squeeze something in and, and it, you know a lot of the technology that's out there, and I feel like I'm just dissing tech now, but a lot of the technology that's out there is like less than 20% of the app is actually what you need in your business. The rest of it is just fluff and filler that had they have known what the problem was, they wouldn't have put in the product first time. Well, that's right. Look, there's a, I think people's, there's this, there's this weird number that you have to add, might be 10, 10 new benefits to get so if you if i get i need to see 10 new benefits that a product or service can can deliver like a software can deliver over the current one that i'm using that's bullshit sorry guys that is lazy thinking what it is is that you don't understand the one thing that it would take me to switch so you're just chucking 10 things at me hoping that your thinking is mm -hmm. close enough to my reality quantity over quality that's right and so we've we've certainly in the software industry, and I'm calling you out that the industry that it is all about. Let's put as many features as possible. There's so many times where I've just like, I just want to buy it because it's the perfect tool for the outcome that I'm trying to achieve, and then I have to pour through all the other stuff that doesn't really make any different, it doesn't matter to me to get the purchase point. And I've I've stopped buying stuff because of that. Like if you're if you understand me. Selling selling podcasting to me was really easy, I'm afraid, for the person that said that to sell it to me because I had a specific outcome that I already yeah, had in mind. So it was like, oh, here it is. You didn't need to tell me about 30 or 40 extra things. They were great as bonuses. But by focusing on the one thing that the one pain point that I knew was like I, I think I'm a, I think I'm slightly unusual in the customer experience world, and I hope I'm not as unusual as I think I am. But I'm a customer experience consultant with my own customer journey map, and so I knew where my biggest pain point was, and it was in the assess phase. I was a, I was the world's best kept CX secret, <laughs> um, and so this is to my mind that's that as soon as I could. As soon as I saw that outcome, that pain point go, and I knew that that handbrake being taken off the rest of the customer journey. It's, it was honestly, it's a, it's, I've said it to people before, it's a bill that I, I don't even think about paying. I love it's hearing just you like, say did that. I, I know the value that I get, and it's more. I just keep uncovering so new I, value. I, I love you so much for saying that, and I, I, I genuinely I do, and I'm, I'm – like this is the this is just the tip of the iceberg, brother. We've got a long way to go, and there's 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 already so many cool things happening. But you know, I think actually, 
uh, look, I, I value every single one of my customers' opinion, every single one. But having somebody who is a customer experience expert analyzing his customer journey with my business and then being so positively spoken. I mean, I've heard you on other CX podcasts, you know, you asked the question on your show, you know, when was the last time you had a, you know, a really good or really bad customer experience? And I remember you answering that on somebody else's podcast and you use my business as the example as a really great customer experience you'd had. And like, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Like that, that is that's such a powerful thing to hear because you you understand that industry. You are looking at it through those very laser focused eyes. So for you to be feeling the benefits and seeing them, it's like this is what I said to you at the time. We don't sell, we introduce. And this is what I love that, that we're having this conversation right now because you're rattling off benefits. And I know our audience can't see us, but I'm nodding away, going, Yeah, I know about that one, I know about that one, I know about this one, I like that one. But I imagine if I tried to do that as like a sales pitch, it's like, here's 50 things that are all going to happen. It starts to sound like snake oil. It's like, drink this and your health will get better. Your eyesight will get, you know, improve. You. I, I think that CX can be seen like that as well. And I've been guilty of that. And I think we do, you know, I, I, there's, 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 there's some people that have been pointing this out in the industry as well. It's like, how much are we selling ourselves up as this panacea? Um, I do think that, it's not the panacea, though, because it's not being looked at from a like in a systems perspective. Like there's, we we had a guy called Jeremy Miller on the on what I think it was either the second or the third episode. A great conversation, you know. And we we explored this ridiculous conversation about how branding is more important than CX or CX is more important than branding. And there's so yeah. much crossover. I mean, I the way I see CX is I don't really see anywhere where a customer i don't see anywhere inside an organization where customer insight could not fail it's always going to bring some value a bit of customer if you can get your customer insight into the some insight into how good or bad your accounts team treat them you know are they uh, full-on i mean even that level of insight um in a part of the organization that would never be looked at by most companies as having an impact on customer experience has Huge such impact, a massive yeah. impact. Uh, so, so I'm in that difficult as well. It's like how I, I've got, <laughs> I've got hours of customer experience conversations to have and knowing that we're going to go into so many interesting different directions does mean that when I meet people about customer experience, I don't need to try and, showed my vast knowledge or, or build trust by look I, I do know what I'm talking about hopefully that they can come and listen to a few relevant podcasts or you know sound snippets that we're going to be starting to to put out Good, more often, um, and some of the sound bites um, hopefully they'll get to get to that point of they'll reach that point of trust a little bit quicker and then they can admit what problems that they might have that we can Well, that's, help. A, that's another big one, isn't it? It's when people listen to your podcast prior to speaking with you, they feel like they already know you because they've, they've listened to several hours worth of your conversations. You know, you kind of do get a good feel for somebody in that basis. You know what they're all about. You know whether this is somebody you're going to be able to have a, an honest conversation with. And the people who don't resonate with it are the customers that you don't want to be working with anyway. You know, it's the people who listen to it and say, okay, this is the guy for me they're they're the ones brenton i'm going to ask you two final questions to end with i'd usually end with one but i'm going to be a bit cheeky and ask ask a a bit of a spin-off question with this so i'm going to ask who should get in touch with you and how uh but i'm also going to ask you who should get in touch with bib oh 
Both good questions. Um, look, any to be honest, anybody that wants to discuss their customer experience at a company, I'm open for conversations around that. Um, open to anybody that might just want a coach by their side um, for one hour a month. Um, you know, let's have a talk about how I can have the biggest impact without taking up um, as by taking up as little time as we possibly can. You know, if you need more time, obviously, you know, it's horses for courses. Um, but but don't let thinking, oh, if I'm going to deal with a customer experience consultant, they want to get deep down inside my business. Um, we've got some really good needs evaluation tools that we can we can um, start engaging with. We've got a warrant of fitness that gives some indications about where some obvious inhibitors might be that we can help deliver some some good return on investment to win your leadership over um but but really even if you're just struggling inside an organization to 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 wave that customer flag and you'd like an ally um with your thinking then please reach out to me and yeah if you want to be on the podcast as well if you want to explore customer experience and human centricity and the value that it can can bring we're we're really focused on companies um i think that want to do good by their customers so if that sounds a bit like you say hi on linkedin or on twitter or on facebook um wherever suits you um phone numbers on the website so yeah reach out in any any platform that i'll suits put you all the links in the description as well. thank you and for with regards to um bib i mean it's if you're if you know that you've got interesting conversations um, taking place already between yourself and leading people within your industry, or you've even if you've had one or two conversations and you think, oh, I wish two more people had have heard that, you know, if you if you think that taking your conversation and scaling it up a little bit um, and maybe relaxing it a little bit, because I, I certainly felt like I was having to cram too much into short periods of time you know if 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 that sounds a bit like you um i would if you're under pressure and even if that's self-inflicted pressure to create content um i think that this is literally the best content creation um platform that i could have i could be investing my 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 money in so I love it. Thank you so much, brother. Listen, and we've had, we always do, but an awesome conversation. I'm sure lots of people have taken away loads of nuggets from this. And uh, yeah, I will, I will certainly put your, your details in the description below. Long may your success continue, mate. I mean, I I said this to you when you first started and I hope you remember this, but um, I said, I genuinely get more of a kick these days from my clients doing well than I do from, from us kind of doing these events and these things. And and, and I, I genuinely mean it. So the smile on my face for you is very genuine, my friend, and, and I'm 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 ex- I am massively excited to see what a huge 2021 you've got. I mean, we can't even touch on half the stuff that you've got coming up, and um, I will just tell people to watch this space because you are best kept secret in CX no more, my friend. <laughs> well, thanks, Phil. Honestly, you've been uh, you've been so important to our, our navigation of 2020. Um, 
yeah, it's been good for my mental health as well to have these conversations as we've already touched on. So, so thank you and thanks for having me on and I look forward to the next You're conversation. You're most welcome, buddy. Soon. That really means a lot to me. For all of our listeners who've listened to this on Inspire Radio, any other radio stations for that matter, really hope that you've enjoyed this. Uh, to our podcast listeners, as always, make sure you subscribe and follow. Really hope you've taken a golden nugget a minute from this. Definitely check out Brenton's work on the Halftime Orange podcast. Uh, and until next time, take care of yourselves. This is Billionaires in Boxes, empowering 1 billion entrepreneurs, one podcast at a time.